I was thinking about this, the Lord had me write this down. It's a pretty strong thought, but this. The power of discouragement knows no boundaries. And what I mean by that is discouragement is an equal opportunity offender. (laughs) Discouragement doesn't care about race. It doesn't care about your educational background. It doesn't care about your personal beliefs. It doesn't care about anything other than discouraging you in your life. No factor tilts it or balances it. And sometimes in life, we think we're the only person going through it. You ever, you ever been there? You feel like you're the only one who feels a certain way. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not the case. There are millions more just like you that are going through the same type of things you're going through. But what the enemy wants to do is isolate us. He wants us to feel like we're the only ones going through it and no one understands. As we learned in our last session, discouragement is a very, very powerful force that seeks to cause us to feel powerless in our life. I mentioned this to you and it's worth repeating the quote from C.S. Lewis He said, if Satan's arsenal of weapons were restricted to a single one, it would be discouragement. If that's all the devil had to work with was discouragement, trust me, he could do some serious damage. You might remember, just real quickly, some review. The the dictionary definition of the word discourage is to dissuade, to talk out of, to deter, to uh, prevent, to stop, to damper, to, to just cover to shut up, in other words. Think about those words and what the devil does through discouragement. I mean, he wants to stop you, prevent you. He wants you to, to, to just be in a corner, powerless, uh, and not able to do anything. Other words that describe discouraged are disheartened, disappointed, despondent, downcast, depressed. We all get the idea here that The idea is, if you are discouraged, you're already in a position uh, for depression. You're already downcast. You're already already primed and ready for the devil to keep you in a corner and, and, and cause you to be powerless in this life. It's easy to see why Satan wants to use discouragement in our life. He wants to stop us or dissuade us or prevent us from what? Doing what God's called us to do. Walking in the blessings of God. Seeing our families uh, flourish like they should. Seeing ourselves prosper financially. Seeing whatever good thing in life you need or getting your healing or whatever it is in life that you desire, that hope, that dream, that desire... He wants to see squashed. He wants to see stopped in its tracks. See, how many people want to hear someone who gets up to tell you how to live your life and they're fully depressed and discouraged? You understand what I'm saying? No one wants to hear that person, okay? That person's not going to rev up a crowd and get them excited to pursue things. In fact, Did you ever notice negativity breeds? You ever work in a work environment or some environment where there's several people clustered together and you take the one negative person and all of a sudden they're like a magnet and they begin to attract negativity. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? This can happen in school. It can happen in a church. It can happen anywhere. It can happen in a family where you, you, you in family, it's kind of interesting because you can have maybe the more positive group and you got the more negative group. And if you get enough of the family together, they seem to, to gravitate towards one another. And then there's this going on, you know? They all have one view that's negative and poor, and another one might be positive and good. And it's interesting how in people we gravitate so easily towards negativity. For example, the phone rings at 2 in the morning. How many of you are thinking, well, praise the Lord, that's somebody calling to tell me a good thing. (laughs) What's the first thing in your mind? Oh my gosh, who died? Who's in an accident? What's going on? Right? It's never a good thing. Why? We have been trained to think that way. We have been trained to think if someone does something in a surprise manner, it's got to be bad news. I mean, we're not expecting good news. How many know that we're, we're, we're blessed by God and we're redeemed from the curse and we ought to be expecting good news? When the phone rings, we ought to be expecting it to be a blessing. When the mail comes, we ought to be expecting a blessing, right? Not expecting the worst. Larry called me yesterday morning at about, what was it, Larry? About 11.30 in the morning, which was odd anyway. It was earlier than that, probably about 10.30 maybe. You know, something like that. And it was really weird. And first thought in my mind is, uh, where did he take Rita? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm being honest. Okay? But, I mean, she recently had an issue. And I'm just, first thing in my mind is, where did he take Rita? And I kept it cool. And I didn't, I didn't let it go any further than that. I answered the phone. And, and he just told me, he just wanted to let me know something simple. It was no big deal. But what was weird is his call was out of place. He never talks to me at 1030 in the morning. You know, he's usually getting off work sleeping at that time, you know. And so, but my point is this, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, we have this attitude, this thing, and we can't go that direction. That is where discouragement breeds. That's where uh, negative things, how many agree discouragement's a negative thing? Being discouraged is a bad thing, and it's on that negative side of things. We need to deal with that. Remember, I've told you this over and over. What are you thinking about? You have to stop in life and think, what am I thinking about? Sometimes we can just sit there on our own. (laughs) It seems like no real impact, and begin to think of really negative things. I don't mean bad, wicked things. I just mean negative things like, you know, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. You know, maybe you're going on a trip somewhere and and you're thinking, well, my flight's going to be late and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And and then before you know it, you catch yourself and think, wait a minute, I just created this entire scenario where everything is going to go wrong. Is that normal? Is that good? I'm going to agree it's not good. there's something wrong with us. (laughs) There's something wrong in our thinking that we can automatically lean towards something so negative. We should be leaning towards what? Everything going great, favor and blessing, right? That's ought to be our thinking. So what I'm trying to say is we all can understand this negative side. We need to address it. We need to be aware of what's going on. God's Word, as we mentioned the last session, makes it clear how the devil works in our life. He looks for our weak areas. 1 Peter 5, 8 in the New Living says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Now, 
if the Lord has to tell us, stay alert, stay alert, be, be aware of what's going on around you, be conscious, okay, be alert, wake up. Well, the Bible's saying, stay alert. What does that mean? You need to stay alert. You have an enemy. And what does that enemy want to do in your life? He wants to what? Steal, kill, and destroy in our life. So we need to stay alert. We need to be watchful. The Lord is doing His part, and part of His part is to tell us, to warn us, be aware. Yeah, the devil's been defeated, but he is still lurking around, is he not? He's not dead, okay? He's not gone completely. He may be powerless in the sense that Jesus defeated him on our behalf. And in Christ, we're set free from him, right? He's got no dominion over us. He's got no authority over us. But the Bible still says clearly in the New Testament, stay alert, be aware. Notice what it says. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, the Bible didn't say he was a lion. I believe the best way to describe it is he's got a lot of bark but no bite. In other words, he's got a lot of roar. He's got a lot of drawing attention to something. And what does he want to draw attention to? Something that is negative. Something that is wrong. Something that he can point at. He wants to draw attention to that. Not himself. He wants to draw attention to a problem, a circumstance, a situation. He wants you to be aware of it. Now, in that situation, that circumstance is probably in your life a weak area. It's something that you are anemic in. You're not strong in, and that's where he wants to attack. All you've got to do is watch those wildlife shows. The lion does not go after the healthy, strong, super-fast animal. The lion wants to go after something what? That's weak and easy to tag, weak and easy to grab. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of effort. If you hadn't noticed, lions are fairly lazy animals. I mean, they don't work a whole lot. They, they work to get what they need to eat, and they're, they're done. But the fact is, is that they're, they're targeting a particular animal. They're looking for the young, defenseless. They're looking for one that has wandered off by itself, that is defenseless in that angle. Plus, they're looking for something maybe that's sickly, something that's hurt, something that's got something wrong with it so that they can attack and attack easy. Well, the devil's doing the same thing in your life. He's looking for areas in our life that we're weak in, that we're not strong in. That's why we need each other. That's why you need people, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why you need the Word of God in church. That's why you need these things to what? Help you stay alert, to help you be watchful, to remind you of what you already know. All right? So we have this situation where we see the devils out there. And one of the weapons he's using is discouragement. That's what we're talking about. And he starts this by planting a seed in our thought life. But, and, it, and when I say it starts in our thoughts, you think about this. Any sin that you have committed, 99% of the time started in your thought life. Anything like that. You didn't just start arbitrarily just you know, going to do something. No one just said... I uh, woke up this morning, I'm going to rob a bank. They didn't do that. They thought about it. It's, it's been something that was planted that slowly grew in their thinking. Well, what the devil does is he plants a seed. He plants a thought seed in our mind. Something like this. 
did God really say that? And he makes you question, did I really hear God or, or was that me? I mean, may, maybe, I, I don't know, I'm not sure. Or this one, no one understands me. Anybody ever felt that way? Every one of you. Nobody understands me. That thought plays in your mind. Everything I do fails. I always mess up. No one really cares about me. No one really cares. Self-pity. Or, or this one, and this is one of my favorite in this area. I'm the only one. <laughs> I'm the, everybody say it with me. I'm the only one. Now, we all know that's not true, is it? But have you ever had that thought in your mind? I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And see, the devil does that, what? To isolate us. Just like an animal that's going to you know, the, the, you know, go after the prey. What is, what is the ideal situation? That that animal be, be what? Defenseless, off on its own, away from those that might help protect it. If that animal's off by its own, it's easier prey. There's no, a lot of work involved other than chasing it down. Well, the fact is, the devil works much the same way in your life. He's looking for those things in your life, and he starts it by planning thoughts of doubt in your own life. And you begin to question yourself. You begin to question everything. And you might not be talking it yet, but you're thinking it, and that's where it starts. You see, all of us are going to face this in our life, and that's okay. That's just the way life is. However, it's our response to discouragement that will lead us towards success or failure. The Lord led me in an illustration, and I want everyone to listen closely to this illustration. You may be able to take this illustration, and you can apply it to almost anything in life, but the Lord was, in fact, as while I was in Colorado thinking about um, my message and just kind of meditating here and there, that the Lord began to reveal this to me. And so I want you to Listen closely, because this is played out in many, many lives, and again, we can transfer it to any of our lives. But let's say, for example, a young man or a young woman dreams of getting married one day. And they don't know who that special someone is, but they do believe that there's a special someone for them. And so they believe this, and they do what they know to do, and maybe they start believing this in their early 20s, and uh, in, maybe even throughout their late 20s. And they go to church, they pray, they're, they're looking for this person to cross their path eventually. And now, I want you to know that even though we pray and ask God for things, do we have some play in this? Do humans have a play in it? Absolutely. Humans have a will, okay? Right? God will not override your will. And so even though we may pray and we may be believing God, there are other factors involved. For example, we can miss it. (laughs) Or we may go the wrong direction. Or uh, uh, any number of things. Somebody else might miss it. You know, there's a, if I'm praying and believing God for a mate, is there not someone on the other end of that prayer? Right? And they don't necessarily have to obey the Lord. So I'm not saying there aren't factors involved in this. Okay? But I just want to play it out with you. This person is really doing their part. Like I said, they're in church, they're praying, they're living right, they're doing what they know to do. Um, Time goes by, and nothing seems to happen in this area of their life, and now they're entering their 30s. They're in their early 30s, and still nothing seems to have happened, and they 
begin to become discouraged. They begin to think, maybe I'm destined to live alone. In other words, maybe no one is coming. And they begin to think these kind of thoughts. And so they begin to question themselves. No one cares. No one's coming. I'm missing out in life. And all these thoughts continue to play out in their thought life. And as time goes by, they watch their friends marry and have children. And they smile and they're genuinely happy for them. But all the while in their thoughts, they're thinking, Hello God, what about me? What about me? Have you forgotten me, Lord? And the devil continues to put pressure on their thought life. And discouragement is beginning to cement in their life to where depression is just around the corner. They're discouraged, desperate. And it seems like their only choices at this point are to submit to the problem, give up and stop, or take matters into their own hands. Now I want you to listen closely because this, again, may not relate directly to you, but you can put other things in it, okay? So we're at a point now where nothing has happened we're, we're, we're there where uh, we're not seeing anything anyway happening and we're getting desperate. And so we're at a point where we just feel like I got to make a choice. Either I'm just going to submit to this and this is just the way it is and I'm going to be alone or I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to make something happen. Listen to me carefully. Discouragement can cause us not only to back off, stop and give up, But it can also cause us to make very unwise, bad decisions. And in this case, this is where we're at. Instead of cowering in a corner, this person decides, that's it. I'm going to find me a mate no matter what. And see, what they do is they get so sick and tired of waiting on that God-given someone, they're just going to go out and get someone. And... They lower their standards. Remember the unwise, bad decisions? They lower their standards. They they remove any moral barriers while they're looking for this person. They basically are just looking for a human in a body that fits the description they might like. They're not concerned about character. They're not concerned about faithfulness anymore. They're not concerned about their background. They might not even be concerned if they're a Christian or not. The issue is, I don't want to be alone. And that discouragement from not seeing what they thought they ought to see is driving them in that direction. It's not God, but the fact is, they go out. And how many know if you're determined to find someone, you're going to find someone? Right? I mean, if you're out shopping and you say, bless God, I'm not leaving today without finding thus and so, you're going to figure out some way to get thus and so. And so that young man or that young woman finds what they need. The problem is (laughs) they went to places to find that person they would ordinarily not go. And they removed all those barriers and now they have to what? Live with the consequences of their poor decision. In other words, they're not living life like they thought they would. This is no white picket a beautiful scene. Why? Because they lowered every standard they have. Now, you may say, oh, come on. I've seen this play out time and time again. I've been around in church a long time, and I've seen a lot of young men and a lot of young women do just exactly what I said. I know one uh, woman that spent time 
on the mission field several times with her parents. She loved the Lord, but she got desperate when she got back here to the States and got tired of waiting, so she went to a bar room and found a guy. And she's still living with him today. Not happy. Got a couple of kids. Miserable life. Miserable. This guy doesn't want anything to do with the Lord. And I mean, she put herself in that position. Why? She let discouragement push her right into a corner to where she was weak and powerless, gave up, stopped, and just decided to make something happen. Now you can apply this to any number of areas in your life. We might call it, if we want to look at it another way, anybody know who Ishmael was in the Bible? Ishmael was not the faith model that God wanted. He wanted Isaac. But Abraham got together with a couple of women and said, well, we'll just make this thing happen. And Actually, he was approached, but he certainly didn't stop. His wife offered his, her handmaiden and said, why don't you sleep with her and we'll have a baby through her. All right, honey, if that's what you want to do, that's what we'll do. I mean, what a model citizen, isn't he? <laughs> and so they do their thing, and they end up having a baby that ends up causing a lot of strife. Guess what? Still is. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it caused a huge uh, problem. Why? Because he did what we call, he went to the arm of flesh. In other words, he made it happen instead of letting God do something. And see, faith requires what? Faith and patience, believing God will do something instead of you forcing it to happen. But discouragement can drive you that way. Can you see why the devil takes advantage of such a situation through discouragement? It's easy prey. It's an easy thing to, to accomplish. How many of you have ever been disappointed about some things in your life? All of you. All of you. You've all gone through these kind of things. And guess what? You're not done. Sorry to say it. <laughs> you know, I'm encouraging you that you're going to be discouraged. But you don't have to let it defeat you. What we want to do in our objective is what? How to discourage discouragement. I know it's how to recognize it for what it is right off the bat and how to avoid it. How to go around it. Amen? Amen? We don't have to let the devil push us around like that. I mentioned in our last session... That in following the Lord, I've been living for the Lord and in the ministry for a long time now. And there have been many, many times I have had opportunities to be discouraged. There are many times that I would press into the Lord and I would believe this is the direction He set after much prayer and, and, and listening to Him. And so I would step forward, I believe, when He told me to. And as I stepped forward, maybe things didn't turn out like I thought they would. And discouragement begins to set in. Now, that doesn't mean I missed it. How many believe we have an enemy? You think the enemy's just going to let you walk all over everything? No, I don't think so. In other words, quit thinking just because bad things began to happen, just because you were challenged, you think you missed God. No, you have an enemy out there. And when you start pressing into the things of God, well, he's going to do his part. He's going to shove back a little bit to see if you'll stop and back up right there. He'll try to discourage you. Well, I can honestly say that I can't say that in any particular area I've let discouragement hold me back from obeying God, but I can say this, I've had many, many opportunities right to the edge where I think, I just can't do this. Do you know how many preachers quit the ministry in the first five years? I mean, most of them don't make it a couple of years, let alone five years. 
I mean thousands of them have started churches and quit in just five years or less. They just couldn't take the pressure. They couldn't take everything going on, everything not working as smoothly as they thought it would. You know, it, it's, uh, it, <laughs> how many would agree that it's the tough things in life, the things we really desire that we have opportunity to be discouraged over? It's not the easy things. It's not the things that you can just control on a whim. It's the things that your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your, the things that, that are out ahead of you that, uh, that are good things that you have the opportunity to be discouraged over. And so look with me, Psalm 42, verse 5 in the New Living. It's kind of our main text. The psalmist says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. Notice here, he's recognizing, why am I discouraged? Why am I discouraged? Can I ask you a question? Have you done an evaluation in your own life recently? If you look at your life and you find that you're not as passionate with the Lord as you were at one time, if you're not pursuing like you were, if you're not as active as you were at one time and excited as you were, then guess what? You've got some discouragement going on in your life. You've backed off a little bit. Notice, he says, why am I discouraged? Then he asks himself, why is my heart so sad? Why am I not where I was? Why am I not full of joy? And notice his answer. Ah, I will put my hope in God. Say it with me. I will put my hope in God. Now let's this time say it like you mean it. You ready? I will put my hope in God. Now let's try it again because I'm looking. Some of you didn't even say it. Either that or you guys are ventriloquists and you're really good. Okay? Now let's say it like we mean it. Ready? I will put my hope in God. See, you sometimes have to get mad at life. You have to sometimes, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of this thing hassling me and drowning me. I'm sick and tired of not being what I was at one time. You have to sometimes get mad. You know, sometimes they say a married couple should never fight. I totally disagree with that. I think sometimes you need to air the laundry just between the two of you. Now, I didn't say involve the kids. I didn't say involve dishes or any other sharp objects or anything you could find. But I'm saying a good hashing out of things is not a bad thing because all of a sudden you realize where you're really at. All of a sudden when the smoke clears and you're like, man, that was petty. (laughs) Or whatever the issue was and you can deal with it. Maybe you realize, me and you haven't communicated in a long time. How many here would say things changed in your marriage when you began when when your children began to be teenaged years? How many how many would say that's where some disagreements might have occurred? Am I the only honest one? She raised her hand. The fact is. Listen, you may have found yourself with the opportunity to be discouraged even this past week. Maybe right now, and I'm willing to bet many of you are in an opportunity right now. Right now, you're dealing with it. What I want to do is say this morning, I got good news. You don't have to let that burden you anymore. You can be free from that. You don't have to allow discouragement to drive you. You can be released from it. And the fact is, we don't have to, in this room, be worried about it, feel ashamed, embarrassed, just like the couple I was talking about. 
We don't see that's not what we're about. We're not about judging. We're not about pointing fingers. We're about what? Jesus said, Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. In other words, we're all about encouraging one another and helping one another and pushing us towards what? Everything that God called us to be. Amen? No one's judging. No one's pointing fingers. No one's picking on anybody. We just want to see everybody free from discouragement. So let's step right into our steps. We did cover the first one last time, if you're taking notes, which I encourage you. Number one was return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Now, all the steps have the letter R, so if you want to go one, two, three, four, and give a little space between them, but return to the Lord. We, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but the fact is many believers, when difficult times come, when they get discouraged, they run away from God. It's crazy, but the fact is all of us almost do it by instinctiveness. We just want to run, hide. Why? Because it involves darkness. It involves sin. It involves things that are not right, and that makes us uncomfortable around the things of God. And what we want to do is go to God. We want to go to Him. Malachi chapter 3, the latter part of verse 7, the latter part says, Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, what He's saying is, listen, I know things are wrong in your life, I know things are messed up, but come back to me, and I'll come back to you. In other words, you come back to me, and we'll get things straightened out. We'll fix these things. How many of the Lord is on our side? He wants to help us. He's not picking on us. Did you ever have anybody say when you made mistakes when you were younger or maybe as an adult, hey, you made that mistake, you fix it. It's your bed, you lie in it. You did these things, you fix it. The Lord's never going to do that to you. Amen? He, the Bible says He would never leave us and He would never forsake us. He's a good Heavenly Father. Even when the young man, remember, who took his inheritance and took everything his dad gave him and basically just spit on his dad, took it all and just hit the road, remember? and lived a horrible, wasteful life, comes back. What was his dad doing every single day? He was looking for him. He was looking for him to give him a giant hug, to restore him. He wasn't looking to pick on him. Well, that's how the Lord is with us. He wants to restore us. He wants to bring us back to where we were. So when discouraged, what we want to do is run to the Lord. If you want to write these scriptures down, they're not going to pop up. Just write them down. James 4, 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Hebrews four sixteen. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. In other words, everybody say this with me. Say, God is for me. Amen. You need to say that. Just that part. There's rest of it, but just that part. God is for me. He is for me. He's not out to pick on me. He's for me. Amen. So the first thing we do when we recognize discouragement in our life is what? Return to the Lord. Get things right with Him. Get back to Him. Amen. And if you'll do that, you're starting on the right path. Number two, radiate. Radiate. So we've returned to the Lord. We've been restored. We're following him again and spending time with him. The next is radiate for the Lord. And what I mean by that is Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
The word radiate means to give forth or spread happiness and love. What does that mean? That means I've returned to the Lord. I've been restored now. Now give out what's inside you. In other words, share that love. Listen, you need to be aware of it. You need to be conscious. You need to be radiating that energy from your fellowship with God through His Word, by His Spirit. Why is that? This is why. Discouragement and depression are close cousins, and they live in dark places. Discouragement and depression are close cousins. And so you're fighting discouragement here. And so we need to make sure there's lots of light in my life, that I'm spreading it out, that I'm living this, that I'm allowing it out of me. We need to watch our thought life for negative dark thoughts. Remember earlier, do an evaluation consistently on yourself. Ask yourself, what am I thinking about? Where am I dwelling? Am I dwelling on negative things? Am I dwelling that ne- in that negative place? Am I always looking for the negative? Have you ever met anybody that always finds the negative? Man, I tell you, they just irritate you, don't you? Unless you're one of them, then you flock together and look for it. Back when I was a youth leader many, many moons ago, there used to be, I learned something, okay? In every group, there's always usually someone who is <laughs> extremely polarized on the negative side. And the thing is, you can have a chemical uh, catastrophe if you mix the wrong person or two with that one and what i mean is all of a sudden you got a bad thing going if these two get together and i experienced that multiple times that if i could keep the those two or three separate from each other i could handle it i could keep control but if they got together bad things were going to (laughs) happen in other words what i mean is I'm going to have issues and challenges and difficulties dealing with them. And I did time and time again. And so the secret was what? Split those two apart. I always found a way (laughs) to keep them apart, you know, as much as possible because they just didn't mix together very well. They always went negative. I mean extreme negative. There was always, no matter what you offered, everybody would say, yay, and there'd be those two. no. You know, and they'd be causing problems and strife and things like that. And so um, what you want to do is deal with that kind of stuff immediately. Listen to me carefully. The fact is we need to watch our thought life. When discouragement strikes, sometimes Christians, all they do is spread doom and gloom. That's all they can see. First thing they do is they get on a phone and blah, 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 began to say things they ordinarily wouldn't say. They're fixated on negative things. They find negative everywhere. They can come to church and find negative. Well, that preacher, he didn't even acknowledge me. Some person did this. Some person did that. Somebody did this. I went to work and this happened. I went to Walmart and this happened. It was negative, 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 negative. Well, how many of you know you can either focus on negative things or you can focus on positive things? It's entirely up to you. I'm not necessarily saying that the negative and positive is spiritual, but how many would agree I'd rather be around a positive person than a negative person? Right? I mean, that's just common sense. Is positive is better than negative? Listen carefully, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Does that sound like we should be thinking about negative things? 
It sounds like we should be thinking about good things, positive things, helpful things. And if, if a thought isn't helpful, if it's negative, get rid of it. Say no to discouragement by replacing negatives with positives. In other words, everybody, look for the good and not the bad. Look for the good and not the bad. You, you, some of you might remember this story I shared with you, but I have a friend who, who had a, a blind grandmother, and this woman was amazing what she could do in a kitchen. Just you, You'd never think she was blind, you know? I mean, everything that she did. And uh, one day he's in the kitchen with her, and, and he's kind of griping and complaining about some things. And everything that he would say negative, she'd say, yeah, but, and she'd find a positive. And it just was driving him nuts. And he said, oh, Grandma, you'd find something good about the devil. And she paused for just a moment. She said, well, you've got to admit he's a hard worker. In other words, this woman would find something positive about anything. Even the devil she could find something positive about. She was not a negative person. You don't see that. Well, see, we need to look for the good and not the bad. There's a story about a child psychologist who wanted to observe how different children respond to negative circumstances. So what they did was they got a room and filled it with horse manure. And they put the pessimistic child in there first to see and observe you know, what, what this child would do in this situation, how he would respond to it. And predictably, he whined and cried and despaired that he was in a room full of smelly manure. Well, they pulled him out and they put the other child in there. And this little guy started tearing around the room, digging through the manure. He's all over the place with excitement. And uh, they're, they're kind of amazed, like, what is up with this kid? Why is he so excited to be in there with the manure? And so after a few minutes of watching this, they, they pulled him out and they said, why are you so excited? And he replied, well, surely with all this manure in the room, there's got to be a pony somewhere. Everybody say, look for the good, not the bad. In other words, look for the good. There's always good in something. And how many know it's so easy? How, you know, it's amazing to me that if somebody told you a good thing about a restaurant, a really good thing, you barely, you, you barely remember it. But how many can remember all the negative things? You know, my wife and I do this often. We joke to one another, if something goes wrong in a restaurant, we'll just say it's banned. <laughs> you know, it doesn't always work that way, but sometimes it does. She had a bad experience when, when she was first pregnant with our first one at uh, Long John Silver's. Never been there since. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was a bad enough experience that we never went. And we just says banned, you know. And so don't ask us to Long John Silver's. All right. Okay, let's go to number three. Number three, rely on the Lord. Rely on the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you. We need to completely be trusting in the Lord and nothing else in life. There are too many Christians that rely on themselves. Now, I can't answer this in your life. You have to ask yourself, who do I really trust? Who do I really trust? Do I trust my uh, paycheck? Is that where my face in? Do I, I trust my retirement? Do I trust my savings? Do I trust in my abilities to earn money to maybe certain skills? In other words, or are you trusting the Lord? How many of you know... <laughs> 
every single thing financial in this world can fail. It already has, and it can. You can say one day, I'm doing really good, you know, look at the stock market, and the next day, zero. It can happen, can it not? You might say, well, I can count on my company. They've been around forever. All it takes is one error somewhere or something, and a lot of things can go wrong, and you might not get a paycheck for several weeks. What if all the electric power in our nation went out for a couple months? What would you do? You know, I read some article somewhere in somebody theorizing these kind of things, like the losing electric grid because maybe we were attacked or whatnot, and the, the grid went out. And they, I don't remember the time frame, but they estimated that more than 50% of the population would die in, in, in a certain amount of range. Why? They just don't know how to live. They have no concept. People would kill one another over water and, and any number of things, food, and so on and so forth. You know, I mean, we don't think about how would people react. Take a city like New York and just make it go black for three days. It's just a disaster. It's a bad, bad, bad thing. Well, you take that kind of scenario. Well, where is your trust? I'm not trying to, by the way, no, no, thus saith the Lord's. No, nothing like that, okay? I'm just saying, who do you really trust? Do you trust in the Lord truly? And that's something you have to look deep down in your heart. Make an adjustment. That doesn't mean, guys, that I'm saying, well, I trust in the Lord. Uh, Church, I don't need a paycheck. I trust in the Lord. That'd be lame and stupid, you know. But what I'm saying is, let's say something happened for a week, and I couldn't have one. Is my life going to fall apart because I didn't have a paycheck? Or am I going to say, Lord, you're my... You're my provider, and so you'll provide. He saw it ahead of time, did he not? That's what Jehovah Jireh means. He sees and provides. And so, in other words, he's my provider. He'll take care of me. He's my healer. Amen? He's my peace, right? And so, who do we rely on? Others rely too much on people. How many know people can disappoint? Listen to me. I mean, think about the people in your life that you would should be as solid as a rock like maybe parents or or someone like that and how many have been disappointed by them they didn't keep their word they didn't do something or whatnot the fact is people can disappoint we need people guys in our life and we love people but don't rely on people rely on the lord amen trust in the lord not in people trust in the lord not your paycheck Um, that word commit everything you do to the lord that means give everything over to him give everything over in your life to him first peter 5 7 says give all your worries and cares to god for he cares about you psalm 30 uh psalm 73 verse 28 listen to this it is good for me to draw near to god i have put my trust in the lord god that i may declare all your works In other words, it's good for me to draw near to God. It's good for me to put my trust in the Lord. How many know He will never fail you? Will the Lord fail us? No, He will never fail us. He will never, ever fail us. He will never leave us. But people can. People will. And so we want to put our trust in the Lord. God didn't design us to run our life. What did Jesus say to us? Seek first the kingdom of God and his way of living and being. And all the things that you need in this life, what did he say? They'll be added to you. 
right? So if we put first things first, if we put Him first and our relationship with Him first in our life, everything else is going to kind of come together. He'll take care of it. It's when you're trying to run your own life and not putting Him first that you're a little bit spazzy and you're all over the place. But boy, I tell you, it's much more relaxing to know that the Lord's got you covered. I don't need to worry about my bills. I don't worry about the church bills. I, don't, I, I honestly don't lose any sleep over anything like that at all. I never concern myself with it. Why? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> I don't need to be concerned about it. He's bigger than me. And if he can go ahead and cause all these things to come to me, then why do I need to give any thought towards it? <laughs> why waste my time? Amen? I mean, I, I, have, I can't even remember. I remember when I was younger, I didn't know these things. And, man, I'd stay awake worrying and thinking and, and how am I going to do this and how am I going to do that. And, boy, I tell you what, no wonder I didn't have ulcers when I was 25. I mean, you know, but I don't ever concern myself with anything, even if something big comes my way. I mean, something really big comes my way. Well, praise God. God's got some work to do, but he's no big, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. And I just put it down. I don't concern myself with it. God is more than enough. Amen? But I trust in the Lord. So say no to discouragement. Rely on the Lord. Depend on Him because He never fails. He never disappoints. And lastly, number four, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Many Christians fail or fall into discouragement because they fail to offer enough praise to God. In other words, they're focused more on themselves than they are on the Lord. That's the thing rejoicing in the Lord does, guys. It helps your faith. When you're rejoicing in the Lord, what are you doing? You're focused on Him and not on you. When you sing praises to God, I'm focused on my God and how big He is, not on me and my circumstance. I'm not running my life. He is. And see, that's why I tell you, when we, when we have praise and worship here, use that time wisely. Don't just stand there like a dud. I mean, and, and I'm not picking on anybody. I'm saying you're missing out. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. The Bible says that when we practice His presence, what? There's fullness of joy there. You know? And so enter in and you might say i don't feel like it welcome to the club there's a lot of times i don't feel like it but i'm not going to let that stop me right i mean i'm not you're not going to let i mean just because you don't feel like it i don't feel like cashing my check so i'm not going to the bank you guys get over that feeling real quick you know, <laughs> I got to do what I got to do, right? Well, guess what? I got to praise God. Why? I want to. And I know if I'll stay there for a few minutes, what's going to happen? Something's going to transform. Something is going to happen to me. I cannot get in the presence of God without being affected by the presence of God. And see, a lot of times you can have one person right there in the presence of God and the person standing next to him have no idea what's going on. Just standing there, huh? Well, I didn't know we turned those lights off when we went to worship. Wow. You know? And you're just in there wandering and thinking. And the other one's like soaking up the presence of God and maybe the healing power of God's on him and all kinds of things. And the other one's just do 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 You know? 
<laughs> Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. <laughs> listen, I want you to listen to this statement. I didn't write this statement. I just took it from someone else. I thought it was really good. It is difficult, if not impossible, to rejoice in the Lord and be discouraged at the same time. The problem, somebody says, well, I've done it. <laughs> That's because you didn't stay there long enough. And if you'll just stay there praising God, something just overtakes you in your spirit. It just comes out, and all of a sudden, I feel free. All of a sudden, I recognize God is God. Why do I need to be concerned about this problem? I can just enjoy His presence, and He'll take care of it. Amen? When, when, my, little, when my kids were little, they didn't have to worry about anything. I took care of it. I, shoot, I still do. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I still, the, the kids kind of still expect, you know, me to pay, you know, and that kind of thing. Every once in a while, they'll shock me. I mean, I remember we were in Colorado, and a couple times Allison pulled things out of me real fast. I'm like, wow, what a pleasant surprise, you know. It was kind of nice, you know. I mean, and my kids will do things like that occasionally, but on the norm, you know, if I invite them out, my son will still say, you paying? You know. <laughs> Listen, the psalmist said this in Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. Say it with me. I will bless the Lord. Okay, let's try that again because that was sad. Ready? Everybody say it together. Say, I will bless the Lord at all times. Amen. Let's all stand. Now listen, let's go over these real quickly. We had four steps. How to discourage discouragement. Number one was return to the Lord. Come back to Him. Draw near to Him. Get back in fellowship. Number two, radiate that fellowship. Give it out. Allow yourself to flow in a positive direction with the life of God. And number three was rely on the Lord. Trust Him. Focus on Him. And number four was rejoice in the Lord. If you'll do these four things... You, first of all, if you do these four things, you can avoid discouragement altogether. It won't even get near you because if you stay with the presence of God, it's really hard for the devil to work in your life. But if you find yourself or in the middle of it now, discouragement or discouragement tries to grab you in the near future, then take these things and start acting on them. Immediately return to the Lord. How many know what I'm talking about when I say when bad things happen, when you get discouraged? What's what? Did you ever notice that automatic sense to, I need to kind of back off from some things. I need to kind of isolate myself a little bit. It's like the first thing. We need to change our thinking, don't we, according to the Word, and say the first thing is we think positive, good, blessing. So the next time the phone rings at 2 a.m., you just tell your spouse or whoever's there, praise God, I wonder if that's our bonus. I w- <laughs> they just don't know what time zone they're in. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, in other words, it may or may not be a good thing, but catch your thought life. Amen. And begin to expect everybody say expect. That's what faith is. Faith is expecting. So how many are expecting good things? Didn't the Lord say that he would if we would tithe and honor him, that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing we can't contain it. So shouldn't we be expecting favor? Shouldn't we be expecting blessings? Shouldn't we be expecting grace to work in our life? Shouldn't we be expecting to be at the right place at the right time? Shouldn't, I mean, if I'm on a plane and somebody says, oh my gosh, this thing go down, don't worry, I'm here. Now, I'm not bragging on me, but I know that the greater one 
is in me. This plane is not going. If that, I say, what if the engine fails? Well, then an angel will bring us down. Amen? I'm not concerned about how God does things. I'm just going to let him be God. Amen? But praise God, I know that I'm always covered. Things are always good. Amen?